Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Race It's Down with Rick and Melissa Hennett, founders of Grace and Lace. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will grant you the desires of your heart. He's interested in our desires. He's the one that put them on our hearts. And all He's saying is, Hey, prioritize me, and I'm going to give you exactly what you want, and it's going to lead to life, because we all want life. Well, hello, everyone. This is Ray Hilbert. I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the program where we travel the country and we get to bridge the gap between faith and leadership in the marketplace. We travel from north to south, east to west, and talk with Christ followers who have started companies, who lead companies and organizations. We talk with top athletes, marketplace leaders, and we really are here just to be an encouragement to you as a follower of Christ, to help you to take that one step to become who and what God has called you to be as a faith-filled leader in the marketplace. We are in Austin, Texas at the headquarters of Grace and Lace, and we are with the owners, Rick and Melissa Hennett. Guys, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. Well, it's been a busy day for you already, right? <laughs> yes, a little bit. You just allow the little old Bottom Line Faith crew <laughs> to come in here, but what was your morning like? What, what were you up to today? Uh, not my normal day. We had a film crew with American Ninja Warrior here, so it was with them to the gym, rush from there, shower, get back to the warehouse, have them film us all around the warehouse. So it's it's been a wild day so Lots far. Lots of cameras today. Lots of cameras. <laughs> yeah. And you're so kind to extend some time to us. And uh, as we had a chance to kind of prepare for this conversation, we really just want to hear your story today. I know you've shared your story many, many times. Mm-hmm. But not only do we want to hear how the company started, and we know it was out of tragedy, right? We'll get into that. But we want to get into some blocking and tackling because our <laughs> audience here, we, that's what we're about, is to really help Christ followers become excellent leaders in business and in the marketplace. So you kind of call this an accidental company, right? <laughs> yes. would, you, would you just, I know you've shared this many times, no. but share us that story. Yeah, well, the funny thing, Ray, is that we do call Grace and Lace our accidental company, but really and truly, I believe with the Lord, nothing is accident. Mm-hmm. I believe that God had this in our story and we just didn't see it coming, yeah. <laughs> really. So when I call it accident, I say I didn't start out to start a business. A lot mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs have wanted to do it for a while, have had an yeah. idea brewing. And so that's what I mean by it, it's an accidental company. It wasn't planned out and strategic for us to start this. But it was um, really 
you know, birth, like you said, out, uh, yeah. started out of a tragedy for us. We're going to get into the entrepreneurial side of the, the journey here. And I know, Rick, that's something you're, pa- you are I a passionate it. entrepreneur, right? I, I love, I, I have been since seventh grade. Yeah. Um, starting companies and it's something that I absolutely love. So yes, passion Good word. And Rick, we're going to talk more about your passion for being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. in just a few moments. But Melissa, this story really starts when you were a child. You had some special training that really set the stage for what you all do here at Grace and Lace. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, I think I've just always been a do-it-yourself type of person. And actually, you know, I come from a a long line of entrepreneurs. My parents are entrepreneurs. My grandparents are entrepreneurs. And their parents were entrepreneurs. And so I don't know if I could run from owning a business if I tried, <laughs> but I never, I never desired to be one, but I loved, I've always loved working with my hands. Ever since I was a child, I learned to sew at a young age. I made my yeah. own dance costumes. I made my own doll clothes. And so I've always been inspired by something and then worked with my hands to produce it. So whether it was training or not, I mean, I guess it was an inherent, you know, desire in me to work with my hands from a very young age. It's almost like therapy for you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is really, so there there was an event that really spawned this company, although you didn't know it at the time. Why don't you walk us through that part of the story? Sure. Well, shortly after Rick and I were married, um, we desired to have a family. I mean, that was something that we've always wanted to have kids and Mm -hmm. we didn't think it would be hard. We didn't think it would be a challenge. And um, we struggled to get pregnant for a long time, for over Mm -hmm. a year. And not thinking anything was wrong, just wondering why it was taking so long to have a family. And we finally got pregnant, and it was a phenomenal pregnancy. I didn't have morning sickness. I Mm. felt great. I felt everything was going right. Everything was going great Mm -hmm. until I was about halfway through the pregnancy and at a routine doctor's visit. And everything checked out normal until my doctor walked in, and she said, "Um, Melissa, you're going to give birth to your daughter in 24 hours, and she's not going to survive. Uh And um, to say that was earth-shattering for us, um, to hear those words of losing a daughter, you know, losing the baby whose pregnancy that was going so well, um, is was, uh, I I, I don't have words even reflecting back to being there. They rushed me into emergency surgery, and Rick was gone. He was out of town, and they said, we're going to do everything to try to save her. Um, But the chances of her surviving um, the night are very slim. Um, They rushed me into emergency surgery, and the surgery was successful, which was really good. But the news was that I would be um, in the hospital on my back for the remainder of the pregnancy, so potentially four months in the hospital. And at that point, you know, I, um, I would do anything Anything that I had to yeah. for her to survive, if include laying on my back for four months, I would. And really, it was that that time of being there on that bed rest with Hallie um, in the hospital, stuck on my back, um, was where the dream, I guess, um, you know, I didn't know it was a business then, yeah. but I really picked up working with my hands. I started sewing and knitting and crocheting again. I was making baby blankets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really the start of, of our story. And that chapter did not have a happy no. ending from, from our earthly standpoint. And tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. I lived in the hospital for um, several weeks and everything was going great. In fact, mm-hmm. 
there was not one doubt in our mind that this wasn't going to be some amazing miracle testimony. There was even, um, to expand on that, mm -hmm. uh, we, we just brought joy to the situation that wasn't a joyful situation. Right. And about a week in, one of our nurses said, hey, what's the deal? Like, everyone here is in a terrible situation, but you guys are happy and full of joy. Like, what's going on? What's different? Mm -hmm. And yeah. we yeah. got to share the gospel with her, and she received Christ. Wow. Um, which was amazing. Yeah. But we didn't have any doubt exactly like what Melissa was saying. There was no doubt in our mind yeah. that God's going to bring this baby. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And she's going to be, be a testimony and have this yeah. amazing story yeah. of how I laid on my back for all these months and yeah. she was born full term. I mean, I, we had that. I knew it. I, I, I didn't have one doubt that that wasn't going to be the story. Yep. We had all the signs too. The doctor, the doctor's reports, my checks, everything. We're like, wow, things are going great. Mm -hmm. You know, she's healthy. She's growing. You're keeping her in. I mean, we just knew it's just part of the story. And then one night, um, I, my body just said, can't keep her. We can't hold her in. And she was, she was born um, too early. Her lungs were not developed enough to survive. And so our little Hallie girl was born. And you know, we went through the earth-shattering time of getting the news that we were going to lose her in 24 hours to then having this hospital stay that was seemed like a, a positive turn in her story to now losing her and now going, you know, what now? You know, God, what happened to the story? Yeah. What happened to these things that we felt, you know, how powerful this testimony was going to be um, of what we thought? the testimony yeah. was going to be. Rick, at that point, you, you said, we have a decision to make yes. as a couple. I think this is a very critical part of the story that, mm -hmm. as tragic as it was, and you wouldn't have guessed this in the moment, but this is probably one of the most encouraging parts for the body of Christ mm -hmm. to hear. Tell us about that decision that, yeah. that you presented. Yeah, I think it's huge for everyone on the planet, Ray. And the reason is we all go through heartbreak. You don't get through this side without something tragic, something heartbreaking happen. And it was about an hour after the delivery. I had cried more than I have ever cried. Mm -hmm. And we were, like Melissa was saying, just so full of faith and believed yeah. that it was going to be great. And it didn't turn out that way. And I told Melissa that here's the decision. As Christ followers who prayed and believed and didn't waver at all in faith, that didn't get the outcome that we wanted, yeah. we can be bitter, we can be mad, we can be upset, we can be mad at God, ask, why didn't you answer our prayers? And I think that's valid. Absolutely. But I told her, we're not going to do that. We're going to trust Him that something good is going to come out of this. I don't know what it is. We may never know. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's Okay. We may never have understanding, and that's okay. But our stance is we're going to trust God that something good is going to come. And here's me and my small faith going, but I know what the good was supposed to be. I was supposed to lay in this hospital bed for four months, and I know that she was supposed to endure that and be born full term and have this amazing story. I mean, little me and my faith of what I think the story should be versus allowing God to write this story. And you know that when Rick came into that room and asked me, so we have a choice to make. We can either choose to blame God, say, why would a good God cause something like this to happen? Or we can choose to believe that some way, somehow, 
something good will come out of this. I mean, it wasn't like I could snap my fingers and say, I'm going to believe. (laughs) I'm going to believe that something good is going to come out of this. It wasn't that for me. It was, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know biblically what I, what I should do, you know, but when you are in that moment of pain and when you're in that moment of, you're faced with a very real decision and it, it took me a bit to, to, you know, choose that, you know what, you're right. We're, we're going to choose we're going to see what God's going to make out of this. My uh, best friend back home in Indianapolis where I lived for almost 30 years was a chaplain. And then he has this great statement. He says, you know, in the Christian life, there's a lot of things that preach real good, but mm-hmm. live real hard. Yeah, sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's really what you're sharing with us is you, you had the essence. You knew we know what it looks like and mm-hmm. how we're going to glorify God in this. But the outcome wasn't what you mm-hmm. had hoped and even prayed for. Yes. But then you had that choice. So before we go on and hear the story of the company, what word of encouragement would you have for someone who's watching this conversation or listening to this conversation and they're in a moment of discouragement or maybe things aren't shaping up the way that they even felt God was leading? Yep. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to them right now? Well, I, I would say like our story, tragedy to triumph. I think that resonates with everyone on the planet. Um, If someone's in a really difficult situation, they're in that tragedy situation, they have a decision to make. It's a choice. It's not a simple choice, but they have the choice to allow the tragedy to overcome them, or they can say, you know what, I'm going to overcome this tragedy. And a great mentor of mine, John Eldridge, wrote the book Wild at Heart. He told me, never waste your pain. Let it fuel you for good. And it's such incredible wisdom and advice that we have used and that anyone out there that's going through difficulty, they can use that because people, they want to hear a story of overcoming. Yeah. And they want, they want to see, hey, I can make it too. Mm-hmm. And they can. And yeah. that story of the difficulty will have a much greater impact than this wildly successful thing that just took off. Yeah. Because people don't relate with that all the time, but they do relate with the difficulties because we all go through it. That's why Jesus in Isaiah 61 said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted because we're all brokenhearted. Yes, we are. So it's it's really a decision. Well, it's still real. It's still raw. It's obvious to that. Mm -hmm. But I just thank you for sharing that part of the story. And so here you are, you began knitting this blanket, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you then began to look at creating other things. Mm-hmm. Tell us how this company, this accidental company, <laughs> right. this amazing company mm-hmm. really got its started. Yeah. This is kind of fun. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the awesome thing is it, when I was in the hospital with Hallie and I could only lay on my back, I'm not one to just watch TV all day. And so that's when I was like, I can bring back this knitting and crocheting. And that's when I was making baby blankets for her and some other women in the high-risk pregnancy area. So I was starting to knit that while things were going well in the hospital. When we lost her, I stopped because now I don't have a baby to make a baby blanket for. And I just really felt this nudging of like, pick up those crochet hooks and keep making that blanket. And from the moment we came back from the hospital without a baby, I continued to make it. And I can't tell you how many tears I shed on that yarn and Mm -hmm. on that fabric. There was something that was so healing for me to be able to create when I lost the very thing that my body was creating. And it was like I 
cried tears. And I'm like, you know, I don't have a baby to wrap this in, but somehow I, I felt like I was supposed to finish it. And when I finished the blanket, I kind of suddenly was like, well, now I don't have anything to create anymore. <laughs> and so I opened a little baby clothes online store where I still sold these baby clothes and baby blankets I was making. We were killing it. We were <laughs> making so like between $10 and $20 a know, month. It, yes. was, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was an outlet for me to, right. you know, this is, this is where the creating piece comes in. And um, Well, the scripture no, does say, do not despise the yes. day of humble exactly. beginnings. Exactly. So here we go. This is fun. Yep. I love it. <laughs> I was doing it. It was more for me um, yeah, yeah. and just completing, you know, feeling like those healing stages that the Lord was just really working through me in that. And one day I just, you know, back to my do it yourself. Mm -hmm. I was inspired. I come from Minnesota where you wear boots all year round. And I wanted to make a pair of boot socks with lace out of the top of them that would stick out of the top of my boots. I had the vision. I knew exactly what they were supposed to look like. I knew, I knew I could figure out how to make these, what is in my head. And, um, they took me five hours to Seven. make. <laughs> Seven hours, okay. To make this Our one pair of socks. first corporate dispute. Yes. <laughs> to make this one <laughs> pair of socks, okay. I came downstairs and I said, I finished them finally. And I said, I am never making another pair of these boot socks again. She looked at me with that look that every husband knows of, oh my gosh, do I leave? Do I run? Do I flee? What do I do? <laughs> and then she spoke. <laughs> and all I said was, whatever, hon. Whatever you need, whatever you want. But, you know, I had spent so much time on them. I was like, I'm going to wear them wherever That's I right. went. You know, I put so much time into this pair. And everywhere I went them, people, random strangers, would stop and ask me, what are your socks? Are those socks? Where did you get them? And I'd say, I made them. And they're like, can you make me a pair? Here's my email. Here's my phone number. Here's, I mean, I had a collection of little torn off pieces of paper yeah. in my purse of strangers who wanted this pair of boot socks. And Rick, Rick suggested, he said, you know, we're getting so many of these requests. Why don't you just put them up on your little baby site, baby web Etsy site, and see if they sell? So I took a picture of myself in them, the one pair I had, put them up for sale, and they sold instantly. And within 48 hours, 72 hours, three days, hours. we had over 500 purchase requests for that one pair of socks. That she's never going to make again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. these are people that, that paid for yes. them. Yeah, now we got so to deliver a or refund, yes. right? Exactly. <laughs> we have another decision to make. So I, at that point, I was like, what do we do? I didn't know I had the settings on where anyone could buy them. I thought mm -hmm. I was only selling one pair. And, you know, being that I come from kind of the entrepreneurial background, I'm not going to turn away or refund people their money. Like, right. I'm going to figure right. out a way how to do this. And so we quickly, Rick, Rick, he comes from the business side. He's running his own business, running a business at the time, and has his home life. And he's like, all right, you know how to make it. Let's teach others how to make it. Let's find people who get Let's scale this thing. simple. Yeah. 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 And we did. We did. We found a way. I hired my stay-at-home mom friends, my neighbors, and taught people how to sew them. Yeah, I think we found um, seven seamstresses really quickly. Trained them up. And, and yeah, Melissa taught them how. And within two or three weeks, we had shipped all of them. And I was just thinking, cool, you know, yeah. we have some extra cash. Yeah. It was over the holidays, kind of close to that. And mm -hmm. we'll just get them out and that'll be that. Well, mm -hmm. hundreds of orders yep. started turning into thousands mm -hmm. of orders. 
And obviously God had a plan that neither one of us had any clue about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where were we at kind of emotionally and mentally mm -hmm. at this point? You're still coming through grief mm -hmm. and so forth. And now you've got all this energy being taken in this. What was that like for you guys as a couple to kind of be in that transition? Sure. I'm trying to think back to that moment. I mean, I think, I think it drew us together, yeah. Yeah, to be quite yeah. honest. I yeah. mean, when you go through something like that, uh, you can withdraw or just grow closer to yeah. each other. And, you know, it was so heart-shattering for both of us. I think we had to lean on each other. Yeah. And we did that and grew closer coming out of it. Um, wasn't easy. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. There was, mm -hmm. It was messy at times. Of course. But I think in the end, I think we did grow closer together. And we also knew we can get through something really difficult mm -hmm. yeah. together. Absolutely. Yeah. You're talking about embracing that pain, and God brought a great purpose to that. Mm -hmm. I know then that kind of the, the effect is people know, or many people know then, Shark Tank came along. But mm -hmm. it didn't just come along. No. It was a part of a vision. Walk us through. Yeah. I know there's stages before you got there. But yep. for time's sake, walk us through how that came about for the two of you. You really had some clarity around mm -hmm. that. You you were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Walk us through that whole experience. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we were fans of Shark Tank from the very beginning. It probably was in the first season that <laughs> Melissa and I were watching it. And I said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a company that was on Shark Tank someday? I said, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I don't want to get eaten alive by Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. So you can be on, but I'm, I'm out. I'll watch you on. That's true. I love it. I love it. Well, time goes by. Obviously, this, this company starts out of nowhere, yeah. out of our tragedy. And at that point, we were three months old. And we had done a good amount of business. We were in Colorado on a vacation. And I told Melissa, I really feel like the Lord said we're supposed to be on Shark Tank. Yeah. And she kind of looked at me like, I, I love you, but you're nuts. You're mm -hmm. completely off your rocker, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And she kind of gave me one of those, why don't you just go ahead and apply and see what happens? <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. No. <laughs> well, I'm full of faith. Like, it, this is definitely going to happen. God spoke, uh -huh. and I'm going to apply. And of course, it's going to happen. I apply, nothing happens. I apply the next month, nothing. The next month, nothing. Five months of applying, don't hear a word. And then I said, you know what? Maybe I didn't hear from God, and sure. that's okay. Yeah, sure. We miss it on that's occasion. Right. That's right. So I said, no big deal. And literally about the time that I surrendered and just said, okay, fine, maybe I missed it, I get a phone call from a good buddy, internet marketing genius, really successful entrepreneur, and we were talking about partnering and I asked him point blank, do you want to be a partner with us in Grace and Lace? And he said, I do, but I really feel like you're supposed to be on Shark Tank. Had you and had a conversation? No. With oh, my goodness. No conversation. Love it. Love so it. I laugh. I crack up. And I said, okay, explain. What do you mean? And he said, well, I've just been praying for you guys, and I feel like that's what's supposed to happen. So I told him about it, and it obviously aligned with what God was speaking to him, too. And he said, well, I know a producer. Let me make a phone call within 15 minutes. Producers of Shark Tank are calling us within 30 minutes. We're ending the conversation with them, and they're saying, we have to have you guys. We love this story. We're going to bump you to the very front of the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're sending a ton of paperwork your way. Make sure you get it back to us. Mm -hmm. So it started happening quickly yeah. at that point. And so you filmed in what month? In June of 2013. But, and it aired? November 2013. Which is pretty short, right, yep. Norman, on the timeline. So you got bumped up. 
So we'll talk more about kind of what's happened in the company since then, but as you reflect back on the actual experience of being on Shark Tank, what would be something that you would share that would surprise our audience about that experience that they wouldn't see in the finished product? No. You know, what Ooh, was this it? is a good one. But to back up a little bit, when I found out that they were going to film yeah. and they wanted us, of course, I hit my knees. Yeah. And I'm saying, God, you brought this. You have to tell me what to do. Do we partner? And I would go through each shark by name. Uh, or do we not? Whatever. I just, I want to hear your voice. This is wow. of you, so you tell me. Yeah. And every single time, clearly, Barbara Corcoran had to be a part of the deal. That's what I heard every single time. Mm-hmm. So I almost felt like we were at a tremendous advantage going in, mm-hmm. feeling like we heard from the creator of all creation what's going to happen. <laughs> um, now, this is where it gets kind of comical, is they give us two, three months to practice with the producers on our pitch. That's a three-minute long pitch. Well, I'm, we'll say more organized than Melissa. <laughs> she's, she's maybe more of the genius, right, but I'm fine. maybe more organized. Got that's it. Fair. So <laughs> we write our pitch out. The, the producers are helping us, and I have my part. Melissa doesn't have her part. They're, I just keep messing it up. I'm thinking, no big deal. We've got two months. <laughs> yeah. Well, a month comes, a month before we fly out, she doesn't have her part down. I'm thinking, okay, we got four weeks. Two weeks come, same thing. Week comes, I'm starting to get a little nervous because mm-hmm. she hasn't nailed it at all one time. So here's, here's the thing, and you get one shot at it. It's yep. not like TV where no, they no. can cut and pay. Yeah. I mean, they can say yeah. start over. Okay, you messed up. Let's say that again. It is live cameras. Yep. And you're good. And you mess up on that stage of history, and you've, that's your shot. Yep. So those things we see on the show, that's for real. That's, that's like happening. They're, yeah. yep. they're not yeah. saying start over, pause, start no. over. No, no, no. Okay. It that's, is live. Well, we get there a week before we're supposed to film, and the first thing that they, they do is they get all the entrepreneurs to do a practice run in front of all of the producers. Uh-huh. So there's 30 producers in the audience, and Melissa has not gotten it right yet. And at this point, I am freaked out. Like, I am like way this nervous. this is going to be bad. This is a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, oh, my gosh, I was so nervous. And I said, Jesus, you got to throw a lifeline here. What, what do we do? What do I tell my beautiful wife? And I felt like he said, just tell her that once the time comes— and the pressure's on, she's good to go. She'll be ready. And so I did, and I'm thinking, dear Lord, I hope that that was Jesus, not bad pizza or something. <laughs> so I told her that, and we went out, we did our practice pitch, and she killed it. Nailed it. She nailed it. Nailed it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking, okay, we're good. We There's have more? We have, a week to, we have a week to practice. Uh-huh. And producers, they kind of they tweaked it a little bit, but... Melissa reverts, and it gets worse. To forgetting. I just, yes. It gets worse. (laughs) And then day of, she doesn't know what's going on. We're about to go on stage before the Sharks. She's so nervous, she doesn't even know her first name. Mm. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Now it really matters. Well, Jesus, what, what? What do we do? And he just told me the same thing. I told her. She killed it again. So, I think I the, nailed it. She nailed <laughs> when it. When it mattered, when it so mattered. Here, back, back to your question about what do people see or what's yeah. something that's happening that you don't see. So one thing is that um, we were in the tank 
with the sharks for about an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And so you guys see, the public sees eight, 12 Ten. Minutes, yeah. Ten minutes of that. Maybe. Okay. So a lot goes on that. Sharks are yelling over each it. other and mm -hmm. cussing and it's wild. It's, it is a it's frenzy. It's not, not like what it looks like on TV. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Beautiful so. job. We get editing. the fa family version, yes. right? Family yep. friendly version. <laughs> family friendly. Yeah. That is great. But you had some other offers. There was some band from mm -hmm. going back, but you really held firm, right? Yep. And because you really believed you had heard from God on yep. Barbara Corcoran and she gave your full offer. Mm -hmm. But she had bowed out. Is that right? Or well, has, was she pretty she quickly, maybe 10 minutes into it, she said, Let's get it started. I like this. I like you guys. Yeah. I'm going to give you what you're looking for. Okay. But, but she said, I'm only going to give you half. You have to find another yeah. shark. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is too easy, God. We've got this. This is a piece of cake. We're going to be out of here in 10 minutes flat. Well, that wasn't the case because an hour and a half later, we're about to walk out of the tank with nothing. nothing. Mm -hmm. And at the very last second, and I think God does this often for us, are you going to hold to what I told you? Because mm -hmm. I was going to walk out. You know, mm -hmm. I, It didn't matter. I want to do what God said, period, and hold to that. Mm -hmm. Well, very last second. Barbara said, you know what? I want to change my offer. I'm going to give you exactly what you're looking for. And I'm thinking. <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally. Amazing. And at that point, uh, how long did it take you to accept? Oh. Yeah. 15 we like, seconds, That's it. maybe. Yeah. It was. In fact, I think Mark, even at the end, said something like, well, why don't you just say you wanted Barbara from the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. So, that crazy. Yeah. What happened afterwards? I mean, it just like the world blew up, right? Yeah. I mean, it, even yeah. much greater than you even anticipated mm -hmm. or dreamt. Mm -hmm. What happened yeah. with the company it then? It just exploded. Barbara said that you might do 10,000 units of sales based on her experience with other deals. Mm -hmm. And... We sold over 150,000 units in the first week. Wow. We did over a million dollars of business in five days that had never been done on Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And it was just the Lord's hands and His yeah. anointing on it and His mm -hmm. extravagantly generous prosperity mm -hmm. for us. But the money, that was amazing. That yeah. was never what we were really right. going after. Mm -hmm. The mission has always been a lot bigger than just making money or having yeah. a, a good company. Yeah. I want to talk about that bigger mm -hmm. purpose. But just give us a brief snapshot of kind of where's the company now? You've had tremendous growth, yep. sales, you know, you know, whatever you want to disclose is fine, but employees, wh where are we at? Just what's the framework of where we're yeah, at Yeah, so when we had filmed, we had done a little over a million in sales. Yeah. And yeah. now we've done over 45 million That's in incredible. sales. Uh, we went from six employees to 36 within yeah. two days of airing, and now we have around 75. Yeah. Uh, amazing leaders. Just yeah. We're tremendously blessed to have the people that we have because mm -hmm. I don't think I'm bright enough yeah. to pull it off. Maybe she is, <laughs> yeah. but we have a whole yeah. bunch of smart people around us. Yeah, yeah. That, that's amazing. And so as you look back, yes, you had the anointing of the Lord and the favor and the prayer and those things, mm -hmm. but as you look back, what's one mistake that as you look back, it says, oh, if we could have just seen that one coming, we would have done this differently. And then how would you advise that to another Christ follower who's in business and maybe about to make that same mistake? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake that we made by far was, and it was my fault, it was not hers. Um, I allowed an equity partner to buy into the business that was not supposed to be in business with us. They're great people. Yeah. They love God and mm -hmm. tremendous business people, very successful but they were not supposed to be in business with us. Yeah. And the mistake was I didn't ask Jesus about that. 
he did end up telling me and kind of interpreting things mm-hmm. and said, hey, I told you all about Shark Tank. You asked me about it. I told you I gave you exact details with Barbara, and it's been phenomenal. You didn't ask me about this. And it was painful. very painful, yeah. and it was very expensive. Uh, my worst business uh, mistake by far. Yeah, that's uh, that's an expensive education. Yeah. It was very yeah. expensive. How about for you, Melissa? That was kind of on with Rick and the business side. But how about for you? What what would you do differently? I would allowed for hiring help for me sooner. Mm-hmm. I really held on to being the designer okay. for too long, to the point where it almost sent me into a stage of depression. Yeah. I felt so tied to this business based and on where it came from stemming from that loss and feeling like I needed to do it. I needed to make it happen. I needed to be the one producing it that it sent me. I mean, I took on way too much, was responsible for too much and had a fear of bringing along people and trained designers beside me. And they've allowed me freedom to, to dream more and to grow where really I was handcuffed and I was overworked and overtired. And yeah. now I have that team of support and I would have allowed that a lot sooner. She was working in the business, yes. which didn't allow her to work on the business. That's right. That's right. And it's a common mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. you just, especially when that growth mode yeah. and learning to let go of some of those things, really powerful. Yep. Now you have three children. Yes. Mm-hmm. So praise God, right? Yes, and, um, yep. But how, how do you, as a couple and as business owners, how do you, I'm not sure I really like the term balance at all, but mm-hmm. how do you make sure that you're doing everything that God's calling you to be in business, mm-hmm. as parents, keeping your own marriage fresh and exciting? What's that look like? Um, it's been a lot of um, learning (laughs) because it's um, really easy to feel like you have to segment these areas of your life. Segment business, segment family, segment marriage. And if there's one thing that I struggled with, it's that word balance. And I don't like that word either. Here's the thing for me. I feel like what set me free the most is to learn that in life, Balance is like balancing to ride a bike, okay? So in order to ride a bike, you gotta be balancing. But there's a turn coming up. Sometimes you need to lean to the right when you're biking. Sometimes you need to lean to the left. And to me, what set me free is a good friend of mine saying, Melissa, just like riding a bike is balance, so is your life that it's okay to lean into the business. It's okay to lean into your family. It's okay to lean that there's different seasons of that. That's beautiful. And that's okay. And that was the biggest thing that became freeing for me is to know, you know what? The business is a newborn right now. It needs me to lean a little bit. Or you know what? We have a newborn right now. I need to lean and I need to stay at home. I can't work at the office. I stay at home with that newborn. That really has set me free from this. Instead of compartmentalizing and making sure, just knowing, you know what? There's different seasons for different things and Mm -hmm. it's okay. That is so powerful. That's a great, beautiful analogy. And how about for you? How would you answer that same question? How, How do you work it? Yeah. All of this. Um, like Melissa, I, I don't know that balance is, it's not, it's never been my goal and I don't even know that it's possible. I am very intentional about my time. Yeah, he's really and good. And I'll set aside a time for work. I set aside a time for uh, working out, staying physically oh. fit because that helps my mind yes. so much. And uh, one thing that we have started doing recently, which is awesome, is we take our cell phones from 6 o'clock <laughs> to 9 o'clock, and we actually lock them in a lockbox. Um, so we can be present and have time with family. Because if 
if you don't, you can be ruled by a business or ruled by a device. And I had a question asked me, which I thought was hilarious. Would Jesus have a cell phone? <laughs> and I loved it. And, and we talked about it and we, we ended on he would, but he would rule it. It wouldn't rule him. Yeah. And so we're kind of, you know, being intentional about our schedule and, and trying to take back certain things um, and just that that six to nine lock up the cell phones has been yeah. amazing because it makes us present with the kids and that's what they need. They don't need parents sitting there looking at their cell phone all yeah. day. T- tell us about what the real mission is behind the company and how you're leveraging this mm-hmm. for your ministry. So I grew up in a Christian family, very faith-filled. I was very involved with youth group growing up and in our church, and I just generally loved, I loved it. I wasn't forced to go, but I loved it. And in fact, during my high school years, I I say instead of poolside with my friends, I was out on mission trips on the mission field. I've been to 18 countries overseas ever since I was 12 years old. And ever since those teenage years being in countries, the poorest of poor, seeing all over the world, all over the world. I have just had a heart and a passion to to help the poorest of poor. I mean, really to see them come to know the Lord and to thrive and flourish, and even though they have nothing. When I was 18 or 19, I was in India, and I had never seen—we were working in some other Teresa homes in northern India, and I had never seen such poverty out of everywhere I've been. Belly so distended on these babies from malnutrition, and bottles strapped, literally strapped to these babies' faces because there wasn't enough workers to even feed them. And I'll never forget, I remember writing my journal that year, that I've got to do something more. And when I was 19, I thought that meant I'd go off to college and finish college and come back and spend a significant amount of time here, years maybe. Never in a million years would I have thought that the Lord would give us a business that would be able to fund Mm -hmm. the building of orphanages over there and the rescuing of orphans off the streets and pulling young girls that are involved in the sex trade from the border of Nepal. And so when Grace and Lace happened, it just clicked. I said, this is it. This is when I wrote in that journal that said, I need to do something more. It's this, like I thought it'd be me over there, but funny how God works that he's just going to give us a business that would be able to be a financial supporter to be able to literally build, we build orphanages. Mm-hmm. And Rick, where do you see the vision of that? Where do you see that headed? We wrote a goal down of a hundred plus orphanages and that could be thousands. I don't know. Yeah. It's Grace and Lace is God's business and we're simply stewards. So wherever he wants to take it, we're in, we're all in. But we love the fact that a portion of every purchase of Grace and Lace goes goes towards helping children or helping uh, helping children that are orphans um, get off the streets or helping those that have been abducted into the sex trade. So that that fuels us. And out of our loss, there's been well over a thousand kids that are now wow. safe. So it's it's been pretty cool. That's fantastic. And, and the, you know, I love reading that on the site. I've seen other stories about it, but it, it's not just a story. It's your passion. Mm-hmm. It, it is your calling. And I loved what you said, that this is God's business, yeah. and you're just having an opportunity to steward that, yeah. right? Well, how many interviews would you say the two of you have done? Just about your story, uh, about your company, if, any guesses? I don't, I don't know. It's hundred. Close to hundred. Yeah, I was going to say like 70 maybe. I don't know. I mean, you've been on every major <laughs> network, all sorts of interviews, all sorts of opportunities. So if you were sitting in this chair mm-hmm. and interviewing you, what question 
would you ask you that you've never been asked? Oh, man. That's a good question. Yeah, I, th- I think um, if I were in your shoes, I would want to know what, what do you do to keep or maintain a healthy heart? What makes you come alive? Love That's it. never been asked. Okay, so I'm asking it. <laughs> well, how would you answer that? That's awesome. I think um, when you're on the airplane and the masks drop down and they tell you, make sure you put the mask on yourself before you put it on your child. Yeah. I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we take, take care of our own heart enough. So again, intentionality is, is really important. And this is such a fast-paced world. It's so frenetic. It's so crazy. To not take care of your own heart mm-hmm. is tragic because if your heart's not doing good, you're not going to be able to love well. You're not going to have faith. You're not going to have hope. So I would say be strategic about your actual schedule. Like plan time to actually get away by yourself um, if that's what fuels you or with a small group of others if that's what fuels you. I look at Jesus, what he did, and often he would serve the multitudes. Yeah. But he would go get away by himself sure and would. just be with the Father. And I, I found that true within my own life that I get filled up when I can go get away and be with no one at all but Jesus, fly the Father, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> absolutely fly fishing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because I'm on the river and I'm just chatting with God yeah, yeah, yeah. and, oh, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but to just work, 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 work and not take time for your own heart, I think that can be really detrimental. In the long run, I think I think it can be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Well, this was not a setup. That was you didn't even know I was going to ask that no. question, but it was like a setup because our regular listeners and viewers here at Bottom Line Faith know that there's one question that I always ask, mm-hmm. always ask, mm-hmm. and it's the last question. And I'm going to direct this to you, okay. if I may. Okay. Right. <laughs> I call this my 423 question. Okay. Because it says in Proverbs 423, above all else, guard your heart, Mm -hmm. for from it flows all of life. Mm -hmm. So Melissa, I'd love for you to to maybe just offer your above all else advice. Let's say that you have a chance to talk with people and you're going to pass along the most important, powerful piece of wisdom that you could share. That's how we'll end our conversation today. Would you just complete the sentence, above all else? Hmm. Oh man, this is such a good one I'm not prepared for. Um, Above all else. Really, it comes down, to me, it comes down to our message, and that is don't waste your pain, but let your pain transform you. And I feel like above all else, I don't know if it be above all else, don't waste your pain, but just like we were saying earlier that everyone goes through it. It, it varies on levels of you know, what may seem like a lot of pain versus a little bit pain, but I think too many people don't allow that pain, aren't transformed by that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they They'll allow stuff it, it or... Mm-hmm. Yep. Not deal with it. Yep. And I think if people were, if if all of us were getting healing from that pain and being transformed by it, I think we'd have a much different world today. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can I give one more? Let <laughs> him answer that question. nugget. <laughs> of course. Because um, I am asked a lot about success. And I don't know what success is for another person. But I do feel like God shared with me the secret of success. And it's in multiple places in the Bible because it says the mul- it says the same thing multiple times. Psalm 
37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. And when I'm talking with Christians, a lot of times they say, oh, I love that verse. But what did you have for lunch today? And I'm like, well, let's time out. Let's, let's kind of unpack this just a second. So delight yourself in the Lord. That's, that's part one. Prioritize Him. It says the same thing mm-hmm. in Matthew 6.33. says the same thing in uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4, and 145, verse 19. God is in, he, he's, he's interested in our desires. He's the one that put them on our hearts. And all He's saying is, hey, prioritize me, and I'm going to give you exactly what you want and it's going to lead to life because we all want life. That's right. We are all going after life. At the end of the day, that's what we want more than anything is life. What's that one thing that's going to make me come alive, that's going to, that work that's going to make me blossom? So we're all looking for life. And I, I think the secret is really simple. And thank God it is because if it was complicated, I would be hosed. But he's just saying, hey, just come after me. Mm-hmm. Prioritize me and let me do the impossible in your life, and it will blow you away. It will be an adventure that you cannot imagine. That is awesome. Okay. Rick, Melissa, thank mm. you for being our guest here thank on Bottom you, Line. Thank you, Ray. Yeah. We're honored, humbled. Yes, it's been amazing. This is wonderful. Well, folks, that's what we're about here at Bottom Line Faith, hearing stories like we just heard from Rick and Melissa and the incredible, as they described, from pain to triumph from absolute uh, agony to absolute glory in Christ and not always understanding every step along their journey as to why things happen, but giving God the glory. It's really what we wanna do here at Bottom Line Faith is share stories just like this to encourage you as a Christ follower in business because there's gonna be bumps along the way. And we wanna help you bridge that faith journey with your business journey. Check out our episodes at bottomlinefaith.org. We are so glad that you've joined us for this episode. Tune in next time and faithfully serve God each day in the marketplace. I'm Ray Hilbert. We'll see you soon. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes. 